Welcome to We Can Do Pod Things, where we start out by talking about an episode of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things, and we end up talking about who even knows what. <laughs> We're going to start with the very first ever episode of We Can Do Hard Things from May 11th, 2021, titled Anxiety. Is it love just holding its breath? But actually, before we get to that, we are going to set our intention for our podcast. Yes, we are, because we're responsible podcasters. Mm -hmm. Okay, I want you to go first. Oh, um, my intention for our listeners is just to be able to connect, perhaps, with other people who might be thinking or feeling the same things as them, that they kind of thought maybe they were on their own. I think a second intention that I might have is to encourage people to go a step further in thinking about and being curious about um, the implications of the content that we discuss on their lives or on their kids' lives or their friends or their spouses or whoever. I love it. Okay. I love it all. Yay. I want Glennon and Abby and Amanda to hear it and be our best <laughs> friends. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was obviously my Which goal, too. Which feels, like, just super realistic and Also, Brene attainable. Brown, if she and happens Brene to. Brown. I want the whole blonde Bob girl thing. <laughs> I want Brene. I want Liz Gilbert. Yeah. I want Glennon. Yes. I want them all. I want it all. <laughs> okay, so initial thoughts about um, anxiety. Is it love just holding its breath? So when I originally listened to this back in May, I wrote some notes, <laughs> and then I went back and re-listened to it and had even more notes. I will probably start with the notes that I took back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the first thing that really stood out to me was when she says, I love humanity deeply, but humans are tricky. Yeah. Because right? isn't that the freaking truth? Like, people are so tricky. Mm-hmm. And I love them. And I think that's probably part of why I love humanity because you never know what you're going to get. Uh-huh. Definitely. And people can be more than one thing. And that's a lesson that, you know, I've been working on learning a lot over the last year. We're embracing that across domains. Like <laughs> the, the both and the nuance of things. Yes. Yes. The yes and. Mm-hmm. Or two things can be true dialectics. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Um. We're running with that. We're crushing it. We are definitely <laughs> crushing something. <laughs> Dreams, everything. I don't know. Did, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Um. So the very first thing that I, that sort of grabbed me was when she was saying, um, it's quiet enough to remember Ooh. and saying, remembering the you beneath all of your roles. And like finding a oh place mm-hmm. or a time can be so hard yeah. to do that. But I do feel that when I listen to their podcast. I really do. I do remember thinking, yeah, this is like a, this would be a really great self-care ritual for me mm-hmm. to like sit down and like, like she talked, you know, sit with your cup of coffee or whatever. And um, because I'm so great at self-care <laughs> and creating new routines, I, I did that one time. So that is also kind of like one of the goals, I think, of this is for us to be able to hang out more, mm-hmm. spend time together, for the world to hear how funny we are and insightful. And Y'all aren't ready. <laughs> <laughs> and also for us to create a routine of self-care around connection and um, exploring our mental wellness. Yeah. Yeah. She was talking about, she likened it to her AA meetings. Yes. And how... It was that like safe space mm-hmm. for her mm-hmm. to be vulnerable. I definitely, I know that you and I, um, you coined the phrase because I, but I had the <laughs> idea of we mutual stardust. Mm-hmm. I, my thing was like we're all made from the same play-doh, and 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 maybe when you have a really deep connection or like an instant connection with someone, it's because your play-doh came from the same play-doh as theirs, and you said we're all mutual stardust. That is so much prettier. So it is truly something that we came up mm-hmm. with together. Um, and uh, because I have ADHD and it's just the end of the day, I'm now trying to remember why. I think maybe you were going to say this that is- Glennon and Abby and Amanda are probably all made of the same stars that we're made of. Yes, they have mutual stardust too, which is why it's going to make total sense when we all become yeah. BFFs. Yes. 
<laughs> I also think it's because the conversations and the time that I spend with you is a lot like church for me because it's like it is a sacred space and it is a place where I feel safe and I can let go and say whatever crazy stuff comes out of my mouth and I know that you're not going to judge me and chances are you're going to be thinking the same thing and that's just really validating. So it is like a meeting, an Mm -hmm. AA meeting or a church service or whatever sort of safety net or coming together that people need. Yeah, I definitely feel that too. I think my next thing, oh, I have a a definition written down. Do you know why we were writing definitions? No, but hit me with it. My definition is the situations, behaviors, expectations, and treatment from others that I am or am not willing to accept. This is on boundaries. Are boundaries and anxiety the same episode? (laughs) I don't remember if that's the same one. I'm pretty sure. I think so. Is that the Chelsea Handler one? No. It's not, is it? No, this just says boundaries. I mean, there's never a bad time to talk about I'm pretty sure this is the first episode, and I think, so maybe anxiety and boundaries were in the same thing. I mean, it's all woven in there in every episode. Like, there are just certain things that just show up in most of the episodes. I'm just going to read from this list of these other ones that I did. Um, Just so you know, we are six minutes and 42 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Um. The first thing I've written down from when I re-listened to it was how she talked about COVID evening the playing field for people with anxiety Mm -hmm. because everybody else who doesn't have chronic anxiety and isn't constantly worrying about things is all running around worried about COVID. And we were all like, yeah, we got this. This is familiar. Yeah, this is familiar. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It kind of evened the playing field. and, And we were all like, no, like we can actually conduct ourselves and and we're the strong ones in this situation for the first time i think maybe amanda was the one who said it like the outsides match yes yes (laughs) yes um it's uh when we were raised in chaos that's where we feel safe we know Mm -hmm. how to act and I, i think that for me because i am super interested in attachment theory and um that kind of generational trauma that's my jam it go it does i think go back to the way that we were raised in the environment that we were raised in not that we hate our parents or that our parents were horrible or that we had this horrible childhood i think multiple things can be true we can love our parents and our parents did the absolute best that they could with the tools that were available to them at the time they still can also have done a poor job at times mm-hmm. so it's not like a dig against our parents or anything but when you were raised in chaos or raised in this constant changing dynamic our brains develop that the comfort in that yeah and so it totally made me think of some of my students yeah some of my at-risk students yeah and how calmness for them is such a trigger because oh yeah it's, it doesn't fit no they're not used to it and it can create, they're suspicious of it they uh, right because that when is the other shoe going to drop mm-hmm. because when you're raised in chaos and instability unpredictable things are not necessarily your favorite, mm-hmm. but you're accustomed to them, yeah. so you just kind of seek them out, almost like in a um, in a violent relationship or an abusive relationship when it's not uncommon for survivors to trigger an, an episode of abuse because they can control when it happens yeah. and the severity, hopefully, to which it happens, and they're not caught off guard by when that cycle gets to that point it's like a lot of things like the anticipation of it is often worse than the actual event absolutely so when you can just bypass the anticipation and just get right in it sometimes that feels like the better alternative yeah you'll do anything to make that ucky feeling in your tummy go away Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i think that that for me has also been reflected in the relationships that i've been in where I don't know how to be calm. <laughs> You're making this I'm, face I'm at me like, about what are to you? fall out of my chair. Are this you is even brand new information. <laughs> this is new for the listeners, okay? 
<laughs> actually anyone who's ever talked to me ever in their whole entire life that would not be new for them um but it is kind of uh relevant to me because i can't not that i can't i have struggled in the past with just being calm and safe and stable and i found myself enacting these cycles of drama or creating a problem in my head often because I, calm is not safety for me calm means I'm about to be interrupted mm -hmm. I'm about to be caught off guard and that is decidedly unsafe let's just spend a moment talking about how the spelling of your actual name <laughs> is so close to the word analyze and the implications <clears throat> of I think it's a little bit labeling theory, like a, some self-fulfilling prophecy, but my parents did name me Annalise, which is a traditional eh, French-German, I don't know, it's a traditional European name. Um, my older sister has a combination of my mom and my dad's first names, and my younger brother has a combination of my dad and my mom's first names, and I have this name that is beautiful and they messed with the spelling <laughs> the original <laughs> I think spelling is a-n-n-a-l-i-e-s-e -E. it's pronounced Annalise and they thought you know let's make her unique not too unique mm -hmm. but unique so uh it was a-n-n-a-l-y-s-e which for the majority of my life no one has been able to pronounce until recently Thank you, How to Get Away with Murder. Oh, is that on there? Yes. That's the name of the main character. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm fantastic. not a, I'm a self-help podcaster almost exclusively. I don't do the, the true crime. Baby, that's no a TV judgment. show. Oh, I thought we were talking about one of those podcasts. That I listen to is all about yeah. this stuff. I thought of this when you were talking about your name being French. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard Brene Brown talk about how she grew up her whole life thinking that Brene was French? And then she actually traveled to France. And she was like, I'm here. <laughs> it's Brene. And they all were like, we've never heard that name before. And they go, we're going to call you, I forget, it was some character off of Dallas because we like that name. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> so it turns out her parents just kind of made it up out of thin air but her whole life she thought like I'm gonna go to France I'm gonna be with my people mm -hmm. and it just didn't work out like so many things sometimes don't I mean if that's not another demonstration of mutual stardust between Brene and I mm -hmm. I spent my entire life being told that our family was German yeah only to recently discover that the part of I mean I I knew this but I didn't really know it know it the part of Germany that my ancestors emigrated from was actually always going back and forth between Germany and France. Mm -hmm. The Alsace-Lorraine region, for those of you geography nerds. I almost said geology nerds. But that's those are rocks. Those are rocks. And that would yeah. actually be our jam. Yeah. we do like the crystals. Mm -hmm. um, and how I'm not really German. And I'm not really French. There's something I'm there. Both. There's yeah. something about living in between two worlds. A little bit about never feeling like mm -hmm. I had a home yeah, or a like I thing. belong. Yeah, that's where the generational trauma comes in. But anyway. Um, okay, so then I wrote down it takes all kinds. I don't know if that was related to something that she, that, like that was a direct quote from them or if it was just. I wonder if it's about, I don't remember, but I wonder if it was about how there were the folks who have lived with anxiety who yes. felt super calm during COVID. Yes. And there were the ones who needed that calm yes. during COVID. And I um, I do think that that's related to that. I think it was a, meant to be a prompt for me to remember to say, it takes all kinds of people in order to run a community mm -hmm. or a village or a tribe or whatever. If everyone had the same skill set we would fail right like that's not evolutionarily healthy like we need people who are foragers and we need people who are hunters and we need people who are peaceful in mm -hmm. in times of calm and we need people who 
when the shit gets going. Yeah, disruptors. Mm -hmm. We need people who are who can stand up and disrupt the the flow of everything. We need people who, when the world is disrupted, can step up and say, "I got this." Yeah, I'm trying to sit with that, especially after the midterms just happened. I'm trying to remember that it does take all kinds, and there's a place here for everyone. And it's complicated. It's not a black and white issue. It's complex. I'm working. I'm working through it. Would you like to um, shut that door? Sure. We'll edit this part. (laughs) There's a pause button, so I was able to pause that. So, um, talking for a second about COVID. How did you feel during COVID? Because I did kind of have that feeling of like. I don't. It it didn't shake me up the way it shook other people up, and there were ways that it kind of felt comfortable to me. Yeah. I really liked wearing a mask. <laughs> I miss wearing a mask because I'm somebody who it's slow for me to react to things, mm-hmm. and Which when you're face to face with people, well, it's like a processing thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to be strength based. I appreciate it. I appreciate. I'm being self aware. <laughs> balance (laughs) but I I always feel pressure anytime that I especially at my job that I need to react right away Mm -hmm. to things and even if I don't do it vocally people watch your face for some kind of reaction to something and I liked that when my mask was on people weren't waiting for that Mm -hmm. from me because I didn't have to feel like I was performing something I could actually think about my authentic reaction yes. to something yes I miss that <laughs> that uh, now I don't <clears throat> I don't have I worked in an autism center for long enough w- which is a complicated history but that I I lost a lot of my ability to react to things like mm-hmm. with my face um, and unfortunately I am really good at tuning stuff out which is not always helpful like when you're a parent and your child's legitimately asking you a question and you're just like mm-hmm. I mean we so just had to tune out a lot of what was going on outside the door of this room right <laughs> all three of our kids were just but they weren't they were le- enjoying themselves they weren't legitimately talking to us no when Jack is talking to me that is when I struggle with paying attention because it's just easier for me to ignore him um I love him so much though and I'm doing I'm working on that on being more present as a parent Two things can be true. Yes. Uh, but yeah, COVID for me was again. That is another two things can be true. I was I didn't I was not panicked like everybody else. Mm-hmm. I was not like oh my god, people are gonna die. Or, I was upset that they were dying, but it wasn't something that kept me awake at night. However, when that initial lockdown of that was supposed to be what two weeks. Yeah, and it happened on Friday the 13th. Oh, my God. That I was still okay with. And I was a, um, I was lucky enough to be considered an um, essential worker because I do work sort of in healthcare. Um, it's fine. I just threw it on the floor. <laughs> so I didn't stop working. Um, I still met with people. Sometimes it was face-to-face, and, and we used safety precautions. And sometimes it was over um, – we – use telehealth a lot and there were other ways for me to be able to work from home I've been working from home since I took that position so that none of that was unfamiliar to me um but that when the first the, so the first time the stay-at-home order was extended I was like Ugh. the second time it was extended I was pa- that's when I was panicking mm-hmm. because I realized in that moment that my worst nightmare is becoming disconnected from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Zombie shit scares me less because of the zombies and more because of the concept of being out on my own, completely by myself, no resources, no human connection, nothing. I have such a strange take on the zombie thing. It's never made sense to me why more people are not adopting this plan I have always said that I will just put myself in a room and I'll just stick my pinky out 
and just let them bite me. Just on the pinky. Like, I have no interest in getting devoured. But just, like, go ahead. Like, it's going to happen sooner Like, you later. immediately want to become I a zombie? Be, well, I mean, it's going to happen My sooner heart. or later. You know what we were saying about the anticipation? Yeah. Is sometimes worse than the actual event. Like, just get it over with. I suppose that's fair. But, but I want to control it. Like, not... I don't want to be ripped to bloody pieces. Yeah. Just take a little nibble off my pinky, and then I'll be a zombie. And I, don't, it... I won't have to worry about it anymore. We've never discussed this before, and my heart is breaking right now because the thought of having to go out and try to survive in a world without you where you were just like, a good life. I may Deuces. even be trying to eat you. I may right? Be chasing I you. might have to chop your head off. I give you permission. Okay. If we find ourselves, we've in already that scenario, discussed this. That okay. It's good. okay. Good. You can. You I'll can do, do what you need to do. I'll do it with love. Yeah. I'll probably kiss you on the mouth once it's done, <laughs> and I'm convinced that none of that zombie saliva will. Yeah, you're taking a real me. risk, <laughs> baby. For you, I'd risk the world. <laughs> Um, I don't know how we got there. Uh, I'm sorry. You this were... is why <laughs> this is why we do this. Yes, it is. I have something related to that, but I don't know if you have any other notes related. No, not go... to the zombies. But no, to... I want to hear what you have. The, the, she says this thing where she goes, "Are you aware that we are all going to die?" And everyone we love, and everyone we 100% love, hundred percent chance. You're just out there walking around. Yeah. Eating pizza, being alive, completely oblivious to the fact yeah. that we are all literally going to die. That is a certain mm-hmm. for certain thing. Yeah. And nobody else is worried about it. Yeah. And you yeah. Know, is anxiety really anything other than I'm actually paying attention to what's right to what is happening in the human experience? Right. And she she talks about in um untamed untamed yes mm-hmm. thank you <laughs> she talks about an untamed where her daughter is like the polar bears yes the polar bears and she, she why aren't people paying attention mm-hmm. and how that kind of likens her to a um like like a prophet right a prophet uh-huh. or the or the soothsayer and um what's I, the analogy of the canary in the coal mine I kind of remember it, but I don't want to get it wrong. I, I believe they would drop a canary. Now, um, please write in, comment, like, and subscribe. I don't For know. all you coal miners out please there. Please correct me if I'm <laughs> wrong, because I do have a tendency to just spout shit without knowing entirely that it's there true. There's something, but I, though, that they could detect, yeah. right? The, like a well, gas yeah. or something? Yes, they... right. So they would drop a, a cage with a canary into this coal mine mm-hmm. to make sure that there was no gas. If the canary sings then it's fine if the canary dies don't go down there that makes so much more sense what you just said about the cage because i thought they were just yeah, throwing just... these birds. <laughs> and i was like why aren't those poor birds just flying back why out don't they just say no thank they're you they're just on a suicide mission wings. for these yeah, coal miners oh my god huh yes yeah, my dear we're in cages as far as i know now again coal miners chime in and, and correct me yeah i'd like to know when i'm wrong but, uh, yeah, being more aware of the fact that we're all going to die or paying attention. Mm-hmm. Who, why aren't you paying closer attention? Right. But I think it's because there's a needs to be balance in that. Because if everybody was walking around all anxious and crazed like we are about everyone going to die, we wouldn't get anything done. It's like when I have to step away from checking the news every day. Yeah. Which I feel crappy about because I'm like – it's a it's a mark of being privileged mm. when you can step yes. away yes. from that kind of information, and also two things can be true. Mm-hmm. I have to. It's just a self preservation thing yeah. for me at times. We have to give ourselves permission to take care of ourselves. Yeah, and have boundaries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is, All roads lead to boundaries. Mm, they really do. Boundaries and generational trauma, but. I kind of want you to preach a little bit, since this episode was about anxiety, and since I was telling you earlier today that I am kind of going through it, trying to manage my anxiety Mm. with my medication, and... Are you asking me to get on the women in ADHD soapbox? I do. I want you to preach on the patriarchy thing. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Emily asked me earlier today, 
why is it so, what what was why it? is it so hard to just live like a normal person yeah. <laughs> yes that was what she asked me and i said why is it so hard to be a person who doesn't pay attention to everything all the time right yes that too and i, I want s- that sometimes not I, always but sometimes i, I just want that yeah i said it's the patriarchy and i do genuinely believe that it is this culture that has been passed down through generations and generational trauma mm-hmm. that women are overreactors, are underachievers, or are hysteria, right? Hyster- right. The whole root of the word. Girl, isn't that the only reason why we have vibrators? Mm. Because one of the doctors figured out if a woman had an orgasm, she was calm. Is that right? I, I didn't swear know that. to God. I, I mean, he's not wrong. Um, <laughs> Any of you OBGYN or sex toy uh, manufacturers, feel free to comment, email, or whatever with the historical accuracy of that. But I do believe I learned that in college. Oh, wow. You were taking because no very one ever different says, classes than I was taking. 444, human sexuality, baby. Actually, I'm pretty sure that was in my mental illness class that I took. Hmm. Yes, it taught by this old... 72 year old white dude but he was he was cool as shit i really liked him i don't know what your undergrad was law and society okay um i started out as a visual communication design major which was graphic design because i wanted to do like graphic design like like designing um pamphlets or Mm -hmm. whatever and it turns out that you have to be able to draw to do that and Mm -hmm. i cannot so that lasted for two days i went to my first um, drawing class and went straight from that class to my advisor's office where I said, mm-hmm, we're going to need to change that. <laughs> I'm not doing this. And that's what I switched to because it, I had a goal that I did achieve of being a child protective service um, worker, mm-hmm. a social worker of sorts, not licensed or anything like that. No, not yet. But, um, and I did, I was able to do that for a while. But I got to take really cool classes like criminology and juvenile delinquency and um, mental illness yeah. and the history of mental illness. That path is ultimately how we met each other. Yes. Because when I met you, you were with Kathleen, who I think you knew yes. from DCS, yes. Department of Child Services. Mm-hmm. And if you hadn't traveled that path, who knows? We probably would have found a way The mutual start would but have, but... I'm just real glad it happened earlier rather than later. Me too. It's fucking iconic for me, honestly. I totally got you off of your <laughs> thing with it's okay. the patriarchy. It's okay. I'm sorry. It's fine. Um, but I have seen some TikToks and um, read some articles, and there's a lot of compelling research being done on <laughs> physiological issues that women have particularly around um, like our stature um, and our spine and our hips and shrinking our bodies down to be smaller and the the lifelong bodily trauma that 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 creates as a result of making ourselves be less seen mm-hmm. less heard less of a problem and women still on average live longer than men why i wonder why well even though we're doing all of these things i wonder why we still have a long you know what life i love that you ask that men do. i love that you say that um because i do believe in untamed glennon talks about um having to with ha- with her older child her son and feminine versus masculine and 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 the difficulty in raising a boy mm-hmm. and i do think it's relate again it is because of the patriarchy yeah it's because historically men have not or boys and male presenting folks have not been given the same amount of leeway to have feelings mm-hmm. or show them or express them yeah i mean i don't think i don't think a lot of us in our generation got real good emotional training but especially men had to just stuff it down and get over it and the, as we know, that doesn't actually work. Right. And it, in fact, it creates more stress on our bodies and on our hearts and on our brains. 
I'm skipping something like 200 episodes. But <laughs> on the very last episode that I listened to, I didn't listen to it in its completeness, but on the very last episode that I listened to of We Can Do Hard Things, the the guest that they had was talking about how, and reminded, I think it was Amanda, that everybody is a victim of patriarchy. Yeah. It's not just the women. Yeah. It's everybody. Renee Brown talks about that a little bit too, and um, that's one of the reasons I think why I, one of the many reasons why I'm so drawn to her and Glennon, because we're not leaving men out of the narrative. Right. That's not acceptable. This isn't just about how can we make women better. Like, we're mm-hmm. feminists, but we also just love humanity. Right. And for us, both of us, raising male-presenting children, that's um, that's a weird avenue to navigate. It's okay if you have four kids. I don't care. Because it's, <laughs> it's not easy raising a boy. It's not easy raising a girl. It's not easy raising a non-binary child. It's not easy, period. Period. <laughs> Put whatever qualifier you want with it. It's not easy. And that's the whole thing. <laughs> that's it. That's everything. Especially, it's not easy. Especially, Reese. I, so I, I don't think I've told you about the phone call that I got on oh, I Friday so. of Thursday of last week. Mm-mm. I will give a very brief um, overview of it. But another child at school who was a female had been upset by some interactions that she had with my child, who is non-binary but uses he, they pronouns, presents very male, um, had, they had had an interaction that made her very uncomfortable. And he did not respect her boundaries. So she and was telling her mom about that, and her mom told the school and was right very I mean as any parent should be very upset reactive I I don't fault her for that whatsoever especially since she has a daughter and I am a woman and I totally have been there but she was ready to press charges oh wow against Jack and um I'm not going to go into it a whole lot but we got full story from multiple people mistakes were made Mm -hmm consequences were had including having a very difficult conversation with his dad mm-hmm. and with his mom and with his principal and his assistant principal all together or like separate and separate together conversations got it yeah at one point we had one all four of us together mm-hmm. um that's my worst nightmare it's my my second worst nightmare well maybe my third worst. i don't know it's one of them it's in the top five Right. Of having a, a male child who is not respectful of other people's boundaries. Right. Especially women. Right. And you can do everything that you can to try to teach them boundaries mm-hmm. and respect. And we talk about consent and boundaries all the time. But you really can't protect them Yeah. from going out and fucking things up. And that is absolutely terrifying. You're telling me that I can't have control over everything and I reject it. (laughs) (laughs) I rebuke thee! (laughs) Um, Now we have entered the religious trauma portion. Um, I know what you mean, though. You don't, just because your name is closest to the word analyze, you don't have a monopoly on overthinking. I I also have known sometimes to do that. And when I watch my son interact with my daughter, I don't always know, like, are you being kind of a turd to her because she's a girl or because she's younger or because she's your sister? I didn't grow up with siblings, really, so I don't know what is typical of siblings. And so I watch things unfold with them, and I spiral. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is so easy to do, especially when you have anxiety. Yeah. Um, I don't really have a very typical relationship, I think, with my siblings either. But I also was the older sister to the younger brother, and he was my baby. Mm-hmm. And, like, so my brother, younger brother, and I were very, very close. So, like, we never had those, that kind of, and my sister and I didn't really have that terrible of a rapport <laughs> either. Like, we didn't, 
quite fight like that. I apologize. We are doing our best with our microphones that are available to us today, but we're doing the best that we can with the tools that are available. We can do hard things. Yes. Yes, we can. Um, I do. I want to, I feel like I should say, I do have a brother. He's 10 years older than me. However, I never like to erase him when I talk about how I was raised as if I were an only child. Right. Um, so I like to acknowledge that I do have a half-brother. He's 10 years older than me. We didn't grow up in the same house. So for all intents and purposes, a lot of my upbringing was very reflective of that, of an only child. Right. That's fair. I'm I a brat. That. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to say is. <laughs> I love all of this self-reflection and, and all. Um, not me adjusting mic volume. Don't know if this is a good idea or a bad idea. Um, what did you feel about her saying, get out of what if and into what is? Ooh. Because I love it. <laughs> I Say more. Say more. I didn't write down more. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember specifically what they were talking about, but I think it's just like kind of when she feels herself kind of losing control oh, over. Oh, yes. Yeah, how we're grounding ourselves yeah, back to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she does talk about that. Um, the f- This is the whole point of love. No, the whole point, that's not. That This is what love looks like. You rush out the door to find them. Yeah. But is that actually? Mm-hmm. Or is that what we in chaotic childhood, not not necessarily even chaotic, but is that just what we have been trained to believe love is because when I think about what is love it's trust mm-hmm. and being able to let the other person be them their authentic self without judgment and also trusting them to make the right choices once again the control freak on the opposite side of the desk rejects everything that you're saying <laughs> This is our very first episode. And we our have very equipment because we're professionals. Yeah, and that's why we literally learned how, like, Googled, how do you start a podcast <laughs> <laughs> right before we started? So, um, but yeah, everything seems to be working just fine. So, back to the reflections. Uh, I don't need any notes. I need when we were talking about nuance. I had a note about nuance. Okay, where did it go? Um, it's a practice of both and nuance to allow life to happen while knowing that things could go wrong. Yeah. And Glennon calls it brutal. Yes. Brutal and beautiful. Yeah. And she's so good at those things. Like making up the word, the she's a exact right word. Mm-hmm. They did it another time. It was fun where she talks about being skited. Yes. Scared and excited. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, that just went straight into my vocabulary. <laughs> I'm sure I've heard you use that multiple times before. Um, something else that I have written down, it might be rewinding a little bit in that episode, but um, I said, yeah, it's mental illness, but it's also true. Yeah. Yeah. It's that yes and, or mm-hmm. that both things can be true at the same time. Um, and then I have in all caps, validate me. (laughs) And I, I think it was because she's in this place where she's just like, this is happening. Mm -hmm. Like, like you, we are all going to, can someone please just acknowledge that what I'm saying is legitimate? I wonder if it's even the fact that it is, or if it's the fact that nobody talks about it. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. That's what makes it so frustrating Uh is like, I am not crazy. Right. Is the anxiety coming from the circumstances (sighs) really? Or is it from the fact that we are supposed to just pretend like everything is. God, we we could end with that right there, (laughs) but we won't. Mm -hmm. But yes, is really the anxiety about the thing in the end. Or is it about the fact that we feel unheard and unseen yeah. and unvalid? Maybe that's invalid. why the whole thing about if you can name it, you can tame it. Yeah. Maybe that's why that works so well. Yes, yes, yes. Little Daniel it's Siegel just, in there. Yeah, it's just bringing it to light. Yeah, yeah. 
amazing. I also have, oh, okay, so she talks about when she sees this note from her son that he's gone for a bike ride, and she's just frozen. Mm-hmm. And I also am a big fan <coughs> of polyvagal theory. And that whole frozen not being able to talk or move or, or think or communicate, that is a result of your is of a shutdown. Of, of, I think it's uh, – I don't remember which specific – phase of shutdown it is but that is a physiological response to trauma right that that our bodies are hardwired to emit Mm -hmm. so that when we feel this like stress this overwhelming sense of stress one of the appropriate responses in order to preserve our like continuing yeah yeah i mean it's all is to freeze and Mm -hmm. shut down and again for some of us who had a little bit maybe more chaotic childhood, um, we, and I think for women, especially in general, we default to froze, froze, to freeze. And that's not always the most appropriate response right. of the, the survival threat responses. There's fight, flight, freeze, spawn. There's another one that I've heard called fuck it, where it's just like you don't even care anymore. I feel Which, like that's kind of an arm of freeze, maybe. I, well, I so I wonder about this because that's always kind of what I thought was it was just like, well, I guess what I need to know is, is freeze like I still have hope that I can figure this out? I'm just not making any sudden moves because I don't know what the right move is. I Or I, is it because I had heard um, in, a, in a professional development that I was in, that it is like a, a mouse in the mouth of a cat, yeah. and it's like preparing for death. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't even believe that things could work out any other way than horribly right, right now, and I don't know if freeze is necessarily one or the other, or if it could be both. I think it's a little bit of both. I when I describe it to people, I always talk about your threat response, ideally is based on your predator if your predator is super duper fast Mm -hmm. flight is not going to help Mm -hmm. you can fight or you can freeze yeah if your predator is the same size as you and not so fast Mm -hmm. you can flee or you could fight Mm -hmm. right like if i'm coming up against a wild dog i could choose to fight is probably the best option because I'm likely bigger than it. Yes, it has sharper teeth and, and all that, but like I'm bigger. Mm-hmm. I can stand over it and I have a fighting chance. If my opponent is a cheetah, I cannot run. And knowing that cats don't have like super great eyesight, I, I, I usually use bear. You come up ap- upon a bear when you're camping. You know you can't outrun it. Mm-hmm. You know you can't fight it. You just stand still to try to show it that you're not a threat and hope that it walks away. Yeah. And I know for myself, that's why, that was what I, why I froze when I was a kid mm-hmm. and I was getting, whether it was a lecture or whatever, that, okay, I'm not a threat. Yeah. So, but it is still a strategy. Yes, it is still a strategy. It's but not, there is, because for me, it was like, okay, is it just... I don't even have a strategy anymore. I'm just resigned. There is an aspect of freeze that is that kindness before death mm-hmm. where everything shuts down. Yeah. You're not feeling the pain. You're not, you're disassociating. Bodies are so weird. So weird. I even, I heard about how like your body releases like painkiller chemicals yes. in preparation for what's happening. Yes. You know what? I am so glad that you brought that up because painkiller chemicals are like opiates right um and we know that opiates are connected to the neurotransmitters um specifically like dopamine which is the reward transmitter and that's why a lot of stimulants are so addictive for people because it hits on that dopamine it's also why it's effective for people who have adhd because some of the neurotransmitters are imbalanced and one of those being dopamine and whatever. 
I wonder if that also creates this com- this addiction to drama for us because when we are in freeze, when mm-hmm. we are in extreme states of freeze, it does release that. Yeah. Huh. Pretty neat about Sarah Chapman there. But I'm glad you said that. Here for <laughs> <laughs> put us together and we make I'll a whole human. I'll ask the questions human. and you find the answers. <laughs> I, I like this this dynamic that <laughs> Me we have. Too. Um, I so I that was something I wanted to point out was when she's talking about you know like I, I can't explain it. I just her panic attacks mm-hmm. are just freezing, and uh, that was a in this is us the first season. Um, I think it's the first season. One of the characters has his anxiety panic attack. And it's not the hyperventilating, breathing fast, sort of, oh, my God, we're all going to die sort of thing. It's the quiet. Mm-hmm. It's the sinking down the wall and sobbing and cry- and just being completely frozen and right. unable to move. That's what my panic attacks look like. And I never actually realized they were panic attacks. So then seeing that on, you know, like reflected on television and another – successful human being mm-hmm. was really validating for me because like nope that is that does count yeah, yeah. <laughs> it counts as a dysfunction it counts You're as one of us yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is you, yes this isn't it's not all in your head this isn't you just being over dramatic i know that wasn't a knock on the door i'm on it i just wanted to point out that that freeze that she feels is something that is physiologically built into our bodies mm-hmm. um, and then we have I have something that where Amanda says this is what live looks like you rush out the door to find them um, and wondering is that did you jump ahead in your brain like 10 years from now when our boys yes. are going to be <laughs> driving launching yes and what that's going to be like yes for two people who are super chill the way that we are right like we're just so naturally so laid, laid back, back. <laughs> like we're totally cool with our kids just like doing whatever yeah it's gonna be fun yeah <laughs> I did I did think about that and I also at the same time thought about the the last couple of relationships that I've been in and what I've learned in the last two years about love and mm-hmm. what love really looks like and how do you know when you really love someone? And it really is about trust. Right. And are you able to trust them to make their own decisions and to be doing what they say they're doing? Um, and not and having... also means trusting the parenting that you have provided oh. them, which I think that's what it's really about yes. for me. Yes. It's not that I don't trust the kids. It's that I don't know if I've done a good enough job and I know that when we get there, that's when all will be revealed. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, a thousand percent because self-trust is also something that I struggle with mm-hmm. and trusting my instincts or trusting my, the choices that I make, parenting choices. Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of goes back to Brene Brown and boundaries and my legs all twisted up in these wires and talking about like what are boundaries and, and the, um, braving acronym for boundaries and how the anatomy of trust I'm sorry boundaries is just one part of the anatomy of trust and braving is the acronym for that and you have to all of those aspects of braving and what is that entire acronym do you know yes I I think I do Uh, if not I have note on it on my phone (laughs) Uh, boundaries um, reliability, accountability, V is vault, like the stuff that I tell you remains, um, confidential, uh-huh. I, integrity, N is non-judgmental, mm. and G is generosity. Okay. And all of those components are, are essential for being able to trust someone. Uh-huh. But then also, you have to be able to trust yourself before you can trust anyone else. Right. And that was a, that was a 
I think the first big turning point for me in that particular relationship that really helped me see like why I do the things that I do mm-hmm. or and why I had the particular struggles that I had and what I needed to work on in order to be able to have the quality of relationship that I wanted. Right. Um, and so, of course, it makes sense that the whole thing about love is that I have to trust myself to have done the best I could mm-hmm. with my kids to keep them safe and that that means I can trust them to make the right decisions. Super easy stuff. Yeah, like elementary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think probably one of my favorite things out of this whole podcast was when she says, real love is that we still allow life to happen. It's that epitome of two things can be true at the same time. Yeah. That that we, and she says, the fear is the price of love. This fear is the price of love. That it can be brutal. Mm-hmm. It can be brutal. And hard it, to a degree right like a relationship romantic relationship shouldn't be constant struggle right it shouldn't be a battle mm-hmm. all the time but it it will be yeah. at, and and it will be a struggle and you will butt heads and that person will annoy you and they will do things that you don't like and you will have to have uncomfortable conversations yeah. that's the brutal part if you're not then are you living an entire relationship in free Holy shit. Asking the questions. It's making me think. We may need a part two on this episode. Yeah. Are you living your whole relationship in freeze? And if you are, then all of the resentment that builds up inside of you has to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then your fight's going to kick in in the wrong situation. And that's not helpful. Real messy. Yes. She's so smart, everybody. She's just so smart. When you were talking about letting life happen, Mm. I thought about when it comes to our kids resisting the urge to being the lawnmower parents. (sighs) And something that I just saw was like the difference between protecting them from life and preparing them for life. Mm -hmm. It's no... Um, secret that I struggle with perfectionism. I don't want that for my kid. Mm-hmm. So I am constantly <laughs> harping on my kid about it's okay to make mistakes. Mistakes are how we learn. And they still <laughs> don't love it when they make mistakes. And I need to give myself a little bit of that leeway. And And we've talked about this before, how just brutal Mm -hmm. it is to watch your kid make a mistake Mm -hmm. like just let me do it for you like like, god opening a damn cheese stick it's like torture i have to walk away fingers in my ears la 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 la, because i know how to do it Mm -hmm. i know how easy it is if i always do it for him he will never know how to open a cheese stick he will be 36 years old going up to his partner and saying baby can you open my cheese stick for me my kids are gonna have so much anxiety around messes because I have so much anxiety around messes, and I have created that in them. I know I have. I just, I don't know how not to. Weird. You just. I don't know how not to. Your acceptance is the first step, or something like yeah. that. Admitting you have a problem. I mean, I admitted it a pretty long time ago, <laughs> but I just can't motivate myself to do anything about it because it is just intolerable to me. Gosh, isn't that the one? When of everything the- is not in its place. When things are not, I mean, I live for when everybody's in bed at night and I can just go through and reset the entire house. You are the perfect example of how ADHD and women can look very different. <laughs> because that sounds like the most boring ass shit I've ever heard. Oh, I do not want to do it. I wish, I, I do enjoy things being calm or like being put away, the lack of clutter, but like there's so many steps to doing that that don't fill me with dopamine that take away dopamine. Oh, I, here's what it is for me. It's that if you don't stay on top of it, then it's a ton of steps. Yeah. That's so true. And I can't face that idea. 
So I have to always stay on top of it so that I can control the the kind of house that I want and have it look the way I want it to. Mm -hmm. And if everything piled up, I would just get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would still do it because I'm the person that I am, but (laughs) (laughs) it wouldn't be fun for me anymore. Maybe that's just, that's, that's my problem. I think I have more problems than that, but um, no, that's the one. That is the only. <laughs> we the figured, sole we problem. We did it! Yay! I'm perfect. <laughs> I did it. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but I think that I am working on trying to let my kids make mistakes and not um making a big deal out of it. But I that's a work in progress for me. I'm and, working on apologizing to my kid. Because I'm not there yet, like I said. You have one child that is very much has a penchant for making messes. Yes. Like, that's his natural yep. state of being. I do. And I am learning a lot about apologizing to my kids. That is one thing that has definitely been modeled for them. Yeah. Huge, Emily. Huge. I, 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 ha- I, I will, one of my TED Talks that I will not get into because we're supposed to be done here in like a minute uh is that all of us who want to be perfect parents have to show our kids that we are imperfect in order to do that and it is such a paradox because if we don't apologize to our kids when we make mistakes and we don't admit to them that we make mistakes we are not preparing them for adulthood because they're going to live their life thinking my mom was always right she never made a mistake she never had to apologize for anything so when i screw things up i must be doing something wrong there's something wrong with me because I'm not perfect like my mom was. We have to show our kids that we're mm-hmm. imperfect. Mm-hmm. And uh, apologizing is a huge step. And also, I think that just demonstrates a lot of emotional maturity. Yes, and <laughs> I also sometimes think that it can be overdone to the point where I don't want them to get to the point where they think that, oh, apologies come with no noticeable yeah. change in behavior. Yeah. You know? Which is sometimes the case. I apologize for the same things a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then I think that's just a challenge. That's just. (laughs) That's a challenge for you then to sit and think, how am I going to be more genuine in my apologies? It's a challenge to my pharmacist, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's such a good point. That we can, you can't, because my, my experience as a behavior consultant is you cannot you can try to behavior plan away all of these target behaviors, but until you fix the medical stuff, yes. you can't stabilize my chemicals. Yes. Please. And you're working on it. Mm-hmm. And that is that you're doing the best that you can with the tools that you have available. Yeah. So give yourself some grace. Otherwise. Well, okay, fine. I'll kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to move through to my, I think my final point was is transitions are hard and as a behaviorist I know that transitions are hard because they genuine generally signal an end of reinforcement Mm -hmm. that that you are no longer in contact with whatever stimuli was pushing the dopamine trigger and it's, they're also hard because they're unpredictable. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to happen. I can't predict what's going to happen next. And therefore, I don't know how to behave. And I don't know how to guarantee my safety. And what if I have to think on my feet? And what if I don't mm-hmm. make the right decision? And I don't trust myself to make the right decision. Right. Um, but I thought it, when she said transitions are hard, that do, that harkens me back to my days at the ABA Center where we lose touch with the things that make us feel good so that we can escape the bad feelings, mm-hmm. quote unquote, the boredom or anxiety, uncertainty, not being able to automate what we do next. Yeah. This is definitely not the note that we want to end on, but we'll save this one for another day. When she eventually talks about how, like, I don't know what fun is for me anymore. Mm. I felt that. I yes. still don't know, like, when am I having fun? 
because I get joy from watching my kids enjoy things, but that's not the same thing. That's secondhand joy. Like, when do I feel joy? And it's not when I clean my house, even though I think it's when I clean my house. That's just, I don't know what that is. You know when I... Dark. (laughs) (laughs) You know when I feel joy? When I get to sit across from a table, a table from you, and have these conversations, and the even though sometimes we might have uncomfortable things to say to each other. Not often. You but told it me does I had boogers earlier. I did. <laughs> See, listen, and you were so gracious in the way that you were not embarrassed by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, I love the actually ending on that. Yeah. Because we can pretend that we're going to have all these listeners that are going to chime in and, and um, send us notes on what is it that you, dear listener, mm-hmm find fun or what is it that you've had to work on to find your fun so we'd love to hear from you there will be a an email address in the show notes um any any other final thoughts uh this was fun and i'm excited (laughs) to do it again yay thank you guys so much for listening we love you so much um please come back we beg of you Mm -hmm. please pay attention to us (laughs) just love me (laughs) This has been We Can Do Pod Things. I am one of your hosts, Annalise. And I am Emily.